All I can say right now is lots of me because I like being out outdoors. Wants to just say, hey, let's you know, when you go to school sometimes, and you're, especially maybe in middle school or younger, your class, your teacher would be like, hey, let's go outside today. Anybody like those days? Yeah. Like today? Oh, well, we have a few indoor, we have a few indoorsy people in the house. Uh, I being a little bit more outdoorsy, I'm like, yes. A because I would be outside, and B because they would be talking and teaching, and I'd be like counting squirrels and watching things. It's like the world, like. Days like this in Colorado in the summer are like, this is why you came, people. Just walk around and like just spin in circles slow enough that you don't get dizzy and fall, but fast enough that you can just kind of get a little bit dizzy with the splendor. Um, I don't know if that made sense, but I don't know. I just, like, I'm, I'm, I might just kind of start staring outside. It's just pretty incredible. Um, going up Louisiana where 500 feet is the size you get, uh, uh, this is pretty awesome. So, um... Yeah, I wish today was like the first day of Splendor and we were talking about like the day three lesson, which is kind of more of the woohoo! Um, today we have to talk a little bit more about like some of the stuff that Richie was talking about last night. So, anyway. Um, that was good last night. It was. It was, so it was good. good. It was good. We could just close in prayer now and say, remember what he said last night. Um, he gave me a great phrase that, uh, that I, that I kind of added, which is really cool. So, um, uh, let me pray for us. And... Um, uh, see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Father, thank you for this new day. Uh, and oh, what uh, a glorious day it is. Um, though in the midst of the beauty of uh, the blue skies uh, set against, or the mountains set against the blue sky, we, we know that many of us wake up today um, still carrying the same burdens we carried yesterday, uh, the same questions, the same uh, hurts, the same uh, longings. Uh, so, Father, even though the weather comes and goes and uh, the clouds uh, move in and move out, uh, you remain uh, forever the same. And so today as we look into um, this gap between this profession and promise of your love for us and what seems to be too good to be true, um, when we wrestle with what is, what's the deal with the gap between our knowledge of that and our belief of that and our experience of it, pray you give us grace to remember that uh, though we come and go with our feelings and circumstances and even as we grow through seasons of life, you remain the same. Um, and, and what is true about you is that you are love uh, and that you are passionate about your people. Um, we thank you for that, uh, that, that beautiful, steady promise. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, I had so many... Yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah, come on. Uh, we got any, any more rooms? Can you slide down or someone stage dive and she can sit? All right. I think we might be able to make this work. All right. Looks like there's one coming there. Awesome. And you can put the trash can outside, leaning against the wall if you want right there. I mean, just make yourself at home. Um, oh, there's actually two seats. Sorry, I didn't see that. Um, cool. So uh, just as a reminder, yesterday we kind of set the tone of um, there is a gap between our understanding of what love is, first of all, and what God's love is all about. And also this kind of ended with this idea of, hey, yeah. Many of you, maybe not all of you, I don't know you, but many of you kind of have maybe grown up around the church, in the church, this idea of God loves me, but there's this, there's this gap between what we feel. Um, and I want to thank you guys for your honesty um, on those cards. Um, uh, and I say this not to like, what well, I just say this because it's true and I want you guys to hear it. Um, kind of sat in here afterwards just kind of reading through them and just praying and thinking about where we wanted to go. Um, had the, uh, the holy angel Lauren Daigle singing over me. Um, She's going to sing over us in just a second. Um, again, she's incredible. Uh, I digress. Uh, 
but like I was brought to tears, just not necessarily with like the ouch of it all, but just the, the, the beauty of the honesty and the sincerity you guys put forth in just sharing. So thank you for that honesty because it's what it tells me is not that you're, it's nothing new with me about being honest with me because that's a moment between you and God. Um, I didn't say, hey, write something that would impress me or inform me. That's something that before I even asked you to write it was, was a real part of who you are and your walk and your struggle and your journey. Um, and I just want to honor that by saying thank you. And I don't want you to think at all that the goal is to somehow, uh, many of you, not all of you, but many of you, um, there was a gap between God's love and then this, but there's, there's something wrong with me that I feel like means that can't be true, or it's just this classic gap that we're going to talk about today. Um, and I still feel that all the time, uh, so I'm with you. The goal, while it would be great if we could just kind of learn some great truth or read this one verse or hear some awesome song that meant like, boom, that wrestling was gone. I mean, who doesn't want that? That's the longing of our heart, right? And that's what Richie's been talking about with this longing for home. And that's what God's love is doing is it's, it's bringing us home. It's, it's inviting us into his presence. And that will never be fully experienced until either the Lord returns um, or we pass away tonight, next week, 50 years from now, we will experience complete, perfect, always ever-increasing delight with nothing getting in the way. That is that is the promise, and that is our longing, and it will happen. Um, but So there's going to always be that already, not yet, like leaning into God's promise. Um, but as we struggle with uh, the presence of sin in our lives, um, the power of sin is done. Um, Jesus has killed it. Um, it's over. Um, the presence of sin is here, but the power of sin is gone. And, and the punishment for sin is gone. Um, there's so much freedom. But we, we were living that, that, that in between, right? So uh, I want you guys to lean into something we're talking about today, something that most of you kind of, you already get, even maybe not the, exactly the way I'll put it, based on just what you've already written. Um, and because you're a human like me, we get, it's one of those things you know the answer, but that doesn't mean you know, um, or you know, the, you know the reason, you know the problem, um, but you don't necessarily know or have all the, um, you don't have, all the tracks necessarily, not that they're, I don't have all the tracks, but we lack good tracks to move forward in the midst of knowing the problem. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, so I'm hoping today we can get that. So I'm going to start off um, with just listening. I had hoped, um, uh, this was not something I was planning to do, but I just feel like in light of everything, this is what I was going to say, in light of everything Richie said last night, so Richie was talking about last night the problem with why we don't have peace with God. You know, and he talked about sin and the fall of the world, the fall that's affected everything, right? Um, and today was going to be my day to kind of talk about the fall and stuff. And I'm going to bypass some of that stuff because he did such a good job with it. And most of y'all were awake. Um, uh, and I did borrow a couple of phrases I'm going to use. But I just want you guys to remember that um, that, that is the problem, sin. And we'll specifically look at that a little bit here today. Um, but keep in mind what he had to say about um, about the answer to sin is substitution, propitiation, justification, finished. Um, those kind of images in your mind. Uh, substitution that Jesus did step in between that wrath we deserve. That's the first. That's a pursuit of love. Um, uh, propitiation, the, you know, the penalty has been paid. Um, our debt is clear. Um, it really is. Like if you're in Christ, past, present, future sins are done with. That's a crazy truth. And that's what we're going to hear, learn, sing about. That's, that's all to be the song of the rest of our life. How can that be? Um, and Christians for the generations have sang hymns and songs. And you get up every day. I get up every day and I'm like, why am I able to see this glory and beauty? Like when 
I don't deserve it. What I deserve, what's fair, is that I'm gone. I'm dead. I'm, I'm moved away. But God has pursued me and given me grace. And even those who are not believers on the planet are receiving grace that they're breathing. But that's a whole other lesson. Um, so, if you're a believer in this room, um, there is an incredible amount of... Uh, oh, I totally lost my train of thoughts because I looked at my note. Um, there's an incredible amount of blessing for you in the midst of your struggle. Um, uh, so there's the, the debt's been paid and the justification like you have worth. You are, you are spoken for. You're vouched for. Um, you can stand before God. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what's done, been, but done, been done for you. And, and the work is done. It is finished. Uh, complete. Paid in full. Um, and so that just gives us this sense of, hey, I'm a mess. The world's a mess. But I can get up and move forward because... Um, I'm not in charge, and I'm, I'm leaning into this promise, as he talked about. Um, so, what I want us to do, uh, I had hoped um, to do the lyrics on the screen, because most of the lyrics of this song, and if, if time works out, we're going to end with another song uh, of a similar flavor. Um, you can kind of hear the lyrics, but I really want you to lean into the lyrics. Um, uh, they're just... They, I think many of you, some of you have heard this song before, many of you haven't, um, and, and that's okay, uh, but... She's articulating something um, that we all experience. Um, she professes some things about God's love, and then she kind of has a response to it, which is this question, um, what have I done to deserve love like this? Um, and then she, you know, and she kind of, so just lean into those words. Hopefully you'll be able to hear them all. Most of them are fairly hearable. Um, the second song, I'm going to... I'm going to try it again at the end if we have time to get it, uh, but the Wi-Fi wasn't working, and because I didn't plan it and download it, that's what happens when you rely on technology and you don't plan everything well ahead. All right, moving on. So let's listen to this song, and what I want you to be hearing is what you've heard me say, what you've heard Richie say, um, and then and think about what you were writing on that card yesterday, um, and think about that gap between what we believe about God or what we think we want to believe about God's love and what we experience, and hopefully this will work. So it might start a little loud, so I apologize. Um, I'd rather it be really loud than not loud enough.
Some. Connect with that? Seriously. Um, there actually is some in here. That box over there, throw it this way. Um, move it around if you need to. It'd be great. Um, that song is simple and powerful. You guys realize, I mean, and again, she's singing it because she's wrestling with us too. We feel like wasteland, God is water. Winter, He is fire. We had a long night, He's the sunrise. Feel like a desert, and this is one of my favorite lines in it. We're in the desert. He's the river that turns, and if you don't hear this well and see it, like to find me. He's a river, of course, water, and it doesn't just turn randomly, but it's it's turning to find you to bring nourishment. He says, and he says, uh, you break the silence with your, with this whisper about a treasure and seeking to find it. And what we often think about is we got to be the one seeking, 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 find this treasure, and we find it. It's great, and that is the parable, you know, the parable of great price and all this kind of stuff. We have to forget that the, the God is also there's there's a treasure on earth that He loves that He moved towards seeking to find you. We are His treasure. We are the pearl of great price. We are the one sheep that He will not let go astray. That's me. Um, and, and, and something that we're going to talk about more. So this idea of, he says, I cannot earn what you so freely give. Just keep that in mind, that phrase. I cannot earn what you so freely give. And then she bursts into this kind of hallelujah. That's kind of a churchy word. Some of us hear that. We turn, oh, this is when the churchy people sing churchy words. It's a Hebrew word that means to God be praise. Yah means God. It's, so it's halle, hallelujah, and then Yah is God. It's like basically just to God, the end of the word, be praised. Like, we have a lot of hallelujahs in our world. It's, you know, to Kawhi Leonard be praised because he's a total baller or, you know, to whoever it may be in your world. You know, to Brad because he's so awesome. Um, you know, whatever it may be. Um, if there's a Brad in here, you just got a massive shout out. Well, you are Brad. That's right. And you had a good story. Is that right? Are you uh, Brad? Not really. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. So, thank you for not entertaining that rabbit trail. Um, all right, so so let's do this. We've got we kind of set the tone. We've reminded us where we are. We've kind of had a, a little a sweet moment there. Um, and I want you to... This is really a random thing, but I'm just going to say it anyways. Uh, most of us growing up in circles where um, emotion and spirituality make people nervous... Um, 
uh, especially dudes. Um, and I want you to push back against that. And one of the best ways you can lean into that is through music. Um, uh, we are not just brains on a stick, uh, as Jamie uh, as J- Jamie Smith says in his book, We Are What We Love. We are um, that song and others. Maybe that didn't do it for you, but others that move you uh, to consider big things. Um, don't let that go. Like find those places and go there because that can be where you can hear the whisper of the Lord saying, "You are my treasure." So, uh, you know. Anyway, um, uh, so. We looked at this verse as we ended yesterday. Um, and this is this verse that is just, how can this be, right? How can this be? This kind of love, um, it's so foreign, so otherly. Uh, because even as Richie said, you know, we were alienated from God. We were aliens from Him, His substance uh, in ourselves. Uh, he is, so, so Zephaniah says this incredible blessing towards the end of this only three chapters in, in His, in his uh, prophecy. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Well, the context of of Zephaniah in three chapters, most of that, one of the reasons why a lot of people don't get to this verse um, is because if you're just reading through Zephaniah, for some reason, if you were to open that book of the Bible, fun fact, when I was going to seminary, um, they had make you take like a Bible content exam when you get there to kind of get a read on how much you know. Um, and again, I'd only been a believer for a few years, and one of the questions was like, put these books of the books of the Bible in order. You know, some of them really kind of rudimentary stuff. And like Zephaniah was one of the books, and I didn't know it was a book of the Bible. I thought it was a dude. Um, I was getting, you know, Zechariah is also a book of the Bible. But anyway. Um, I didn't really look back at that until later, but when you're looking at prophets, but like most of Zephaniah is basically God saying, you know, it's like this kind of judgment kind of book, you know, and that's what makes this verse so beautiful. Um, Sorry if you didn't appreciate my roar. Um, The context for the amazing promise of Zephaniah 3.17 is is basically God saying to his people, you know, God called Zechariah, excuse me, Zephaniah to tell his people to remind him once again, so much of the work of the prophets were to say to them, remember who you are. Remember who God is. Let's get this straight. There's a God. He made you. This is the, the story that had been passed down for generations um, of God made the world. He made Adam and Eve. All was shalom. Shalom was wrecked. And then all of creation has been longing for this redemption, this restoration. But mankind, over and over and over, beginning with Adam and Eve, Put themselves in the center and did all kinds of silly stuff, um, as as this book talks about. You know, they lived as morons, living among, among morons. Um, and uh, uh, the context here, like even this, he, let me just read this. Zephaniah is not writing to the noble uh, or the, but to the nincompoops. Author's word, not mine. Uh, those who deserve the judgment of God had become the recipients of His delight. He doesn't just tolerate forgiven sinners. He doesn't just kind of turn a blind eye to their to their rebellion. Uh, we who have trusted Christ fill his heart with gladness. He hasn't just made room for us in heaven. He's made room for us in his joyful heart. Because not just a few verses before this glory, we see this. The whole world will be consumed by the fire of my jealous anger. I always put God's voice in the Emperor's voice from the early Star Wars movies, just FYI. Um, in the part when he's trying to kill Vader and he's like, Ultimate power! I just picture that as like God is just about to take earth out. Anyway, um, but that's an evil thing, so there's a problem with that illustration, I know. But anyway, um, often when I read those verses out loud, especially with middle schoolers, I assume that voice for some reason, and now I had to feel like I had to explain it to you. Stop talking. Um, I'm going to read this section of this book. It just sums it up really well. The perfections of God in the context of Zephaniah's prophecy. Oop, I'm getting text messages. Turn that off. Um... The perfections of God were on a collision course with the putrefactions of men. 
before there would be any singing, shouting, or dancing for joy in the house of God, a certain question had to be dealt with. How can a people who are seeking joy, community, and meaning from sources other than God expect to have fellowship with this holy God? A God who is attended by face-covered angels declaring, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. So in Zephaniah's day, God's people were living like morons among morons. Just like you and me, by the way, before you start casting stones. Um, ever since the death of good King Hezekiah, Judah and her capital city, Jerusalem, had been in a spiritual decline, taking their cue from surrounding nations, a.k.a. taking our cue from the prevailing culture. Their worship of the one true God had become mere lip service. Uh, they looked good on the outside, but on the inside they were chasing after all kinds of lesser gods. They had captured their imagination and hearts. God, evermore the righteous judge of all the nations and the jealous lover of his people, made his intentions quite clear for two and a half of Zephaniah's three chapters. Cosmic judgment is coming. So if you're reading this and you take this into context, they're hearing this and they're like, they're, a lot of times God's people will be cut to the quick, they'll be broken by their by their foolishness when the prophets would come. Many, not all, would be like, oh my gosh. They would say kind of, what shall we do? What are we to do? And then the prophet would simply say, return to me. Return to when Return to what the promises were from the very beginning. And I will remind you, Ten Commandments didn't begin with, hey, do a bunch of stuff. It began with, I am your God who delivered you. I sought you out and called you my own. I made you my people. Now, because you're my people, this is what it ought to look like, so to speak. Um, but he says things like, I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away both men and animals, sweep away the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. This is this wrath Richie was talking about that's justifiable. Um, we get uncomfortable with it, you know, because we actually think, you know, I'm, I'm not that bad, right? Um, and we often say, why won't God just get rid of the evil? Why won't he just deal with terrorists and all this stuff? And when we say those kind of things, you have to remember that, like, we're part of that. Um, um, and that's what makes it stop, okay, well, well if, if the Bible says all humans are broken and sinful, then, so then we've got to figure out a way to make this work. Um, and that's where we have to lean into these promises. It's against the backdrop of this terrifying woe that an entirely unexpected promise of wealth springs forth. Almost shocking our sensibilities, the language of warning and judgment gives way to one of the most exquisite and rapturous descriptions of God's love for His people found anywhere in the Bible. That Zephaniah, Zephaniah passage. So, so why do we? Why are we experiencing this difficulty? You know, we're not worshiping at uh, at, at temple uh, temples on the hill, and you know, we see these Old Testament things, and it kind of makes sense. So, how do we get outside of our context and look into our world and see where are we experiencing this? Well, we experience this gap um, uh, between believing God's love and experiencing it. Really. You know the the peace and rest that comes out of it. Really, it's it's boiled down to one letter. I think that's what the next slide. Oop, I'm going to read this passage and then talk about the one letter. Let me read a passage that sort of sums it up for us. Some of you guys know this. Um, and while there's lots to be talked about here, I'm hoping that as we read it and then kind of focus in on the main point that we want to think about, it will help us. Romans 1. 18 to 25, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. And this is where we get into the real, the real meat of the principle I want to encourage us to think about. For although they knew God... 
They did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, think about Adam and Eve. Eve was like, this fruit is actually you know, helpful for me to be wise, because the serpent had deceived her, right? This language is important. We see how it connects all the Scripture. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And when the Bible talks about fools, they're not talking about like silly jesters. The fool in the Bible is one who either full-on doesn't believe there is a God, or those who are like, I don't need God. It's like, I got this. Um, so it's kind of the, the I got this people in the world, me being one of them a lot of time, and I'm act, I act a fool. It sometimes can be when you're being silly, but a lot of times it's just like you're moving on in life as if there is no God, you are the center of the world, and you can kind of make things happen as you want. So they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things and sports and academics and looks and you name it. Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is forever blessed. What we see in this text can be summed up in one letter. The problem is we take everything and we flip it on its head. Humans have done this. It's what Adam and Eve did. There's Creator who is reigning holy above all, and then there's creation. We are the crown of creation. We are the, the grandest piece of God's creation. The only thing created with His image, infused with things like love and justice, mercy and kindness, emotion, all that stuff. You know, as much as we like to think dogs are emotional beings, and I do think they have some of that kind of stuff, it's amazing to think that they're not, but... And there are going to be in heaven, by the way, except for the bad ones. Um, bad joke. Uh, the problem is we take it and we flip it. We put us on top. We put us in charge. We make it all about me, myself, and I. We are the problem. And you can also say that's a Roman number one. Like, number one, instead it becomes God, it becomes us. We keep ourselves in the middle. We keep ourselves in the driver's seat. We keep ourselves in control. And that shows that there's, even though that we profess a belief in God functionally functionally like when we think about our day-to-day lives we're really trusting ourselves more than we trust God there's an amazing passage in scripture that came alive to me this past year it's something you guys have heard before trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not in your on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight he will direct your paths i lived 44 and a half years of my life Trusting in the Lord with most of my might, but ultimately leaning on my own understanding. I'm one of those guys who can figure. I, I feel like I can figure it out. Like most of the things that happen in life, I, I could talk it in such a way, like from from things outside of me that affected me, like as far as my parents or my family and various things that aren't right there, to my own relational struggles, to you name it. I say, okay, well, I can kind of talk my way. Kind of that's my own understanding. And I have, I've come to this place where it's like, I don't think I really understand what it means to trust the Lord with all my heart. Like to completely give myself to Him, even though there's whispers of it for sure. I actually trust in my own understanding. Um, and instead of leaning fully on Him and letting Him direct my life, I'm actually leaning on my plan, what I'm trying to accomplish, what I want. And again, the desires I have aren't all bad. You know, I, I want everyone in this room to go to bed tonight with a smile on their face because they're just blown away by God's love. I wish I could like manufacture that, you know? But honestly, I don't even know if that... I'll go to bed tonight and I'll probably be stressing about things. Um, and, and, and that's where I'm like, I'm grasping for that control that I know God has. 
So we are the problem, but the answer to the problem is not to fix us. So that's where we keep ourselves in the middle. Um, well, I wanted to say a couple more things about that. So, uh, you know, I, our understanding... Our perspective on our circumstances, like whether it's illness, sickness, not getting into the school you wanted into, family troubles, you name it, um, we, we often look at it from our perspective. And we don't think about the fact that the Lord is at work. He is at work. Two years ago, the summer conference theme was God is at work, even when it feels like He's not. And that's just, that's pro- I want you to, if you could, tangent, but one of the ways that you can be reminded of this love and kind of lean into it day to day is like just... When, find a way to put it on your wall when you wake up in the restroom. I had a buddy of mine who he and his, a bunch of guys in college, they, they had sticky notes on the wall in their bathroom that just had quick little verses of truth from God. You know, these are college guys. Hey, there's an example that college guys who are cool can actually have Bible verses in their room and not be uncool. Hey, challenge cool, like you said last night. Anyway, um, you have to be reminded of it. It's got to come in from outside. Um, remember that God's at work. Um, and that's all about the, we deserve, trying to figure out the why rather than thinking that God has reasons that we don't sometimes understand. That doesn't mean you just say, oh, well, it's fine. Lean into that. Bring your sadness and confusion to the Lord. Our standards of right and wrong. She says in the song, I cannot earn what you so freely give. So much of our problem is that we, when we turn the world upside down, humans live in a meritocracy, which means you get what you deserve. You get what you earn. If you make good grades, uh, stay out of trouble, you know, you can go to a good college, get a good job, have a three and a half, you know, 1,500 square foot house, two and a half kids, a golden retriever, and shiny happy life. You know, just if you just follow the rules, you know, it'll all go great. Um, but that's not the world we live in. You know, we live in a world that you can cross all your T's, dot all your I's, do it all right, and your kid could die too. Out of nowhere, you know, or you could get fired from a job that you love and you were doing great at. I mean, or you name it. We live in that world where you can get it all right and it still go all wrong. And that's that, that's that brokenness. That's that fall that we live in. So we have to remember this idea of earning but be very careful. And then this idea of, of, of my story versus his story. It's so cheesy to say, like, all of history is his story. But it's so it's true. Like, we something everything that's happening in the world is what God is weaving this amazing story that right now, when I look around the world, including my own world, I see a lot of, like, what's you got going on here, Lord? Um, seems like I'm a lot of mess. But when you look back on things, it's, you can see beauty. Like, some of the most difficult times in my life, in the middle of it, I was just like, I was kind of like, you know, I was shouting at the Lord and sharing phrases with Him that were probably not very savory um, as I was hurting and angry. But then put myself down the road and I could see, oh, oh my gosh, that's what you were doing. I would have never experienced this blessing and beauty or, or understanding of who you are um, had I not gone through that. I wouldn't have chosen it, but God will always choose for us circumstances, situations, and scenarios to make us see His beauty, love, and goodness that we would never choose for ourselves. That's to look, read through Scripture. It's just all over the place. He will always do that. Um, because he loves us so much, he doesn't want us to be satisfied uh, with our perspective. Adam and Eve, Moses, Abraham, God's people throughout Scripture, they get in their own way um, by thinking they've got it figured out, um, and we are just the same. Um, and you can think about this real quick. Uh, who's ever, uh, anybody, any babysitters in the house? This is a common illustration, so if you've been in my classes, you've probably heard this like, 
this idea of I being the problem, it starts very early. Um, you know, I'd like to joke and say like twins in the womb are like arguing like, no, that's my amniotic fluid, you know, whatever. Um, it's kind of gross, but anyway, but like toddlers, like you babysat a couple of kids, right? What often happens? You know, you put two kids with a really cool toy, like what's going to happen? Yeah, usually like the one who can talk is like, hello, little sister, you can have this toy that I love so much. It brings me joy to see you enjoy it. No, he's like, mine! You know, like one of our first words as humans is mine, you know, mine. Uh, we're all like little golems inside, right? So, um, uh, my precious uh, Lego toys, uh, whatever. Um, you know, it is so true, but then you grow into siblings and there's that classic road trip, you know, pretend there's a wall between you, you know, build a wall there, don't cross the wall. It's like, ah! Um, uh, yeah, I say it all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm reaching back and like strangling children and, um, uh, yeah, it's this idea of like we're we set out building our kingdom so early, um, and then you know, you guys, some of y'all may have great relationships with your parents, some of you guys have really struggled relationships with your parents, but this all us. It is so hard for kids um, to to see the beauty of submitting to the to the uh, authority of their parents. Like it's just it's built into our broken wiring. It's like. Hello, mother and father. I know God brought you into my life to lead me towards health and beauty, and I appreciate all the way you've provided for me. Um, I'm happy to come home at 10.30 when all of my friends are staying out to midnight. Um, my parents always weird curfew times. It's like 10.50. Um, I don't know why. Um, stuff like that. Um, anyway, um, there is nothing actually good happening after midnight. I just want you guys to know that. Um, Outside on the streets, that is. Um, anyway, uh, we, we look at with reference to, okay, just a little bit... Uh, Sex and sexuality in our culture. Why is it such a mess? Not because sex and sexuality is a mess, but because we've put ourselves in charge. Who are you to tell me what gender I am? We can kind of laugh at that, but like that comes from a worldview that has been fostered for generations of put yourself in the middle and you decide what is true. It, it like it seems so clear, but if you kind of let yourself imagine a, war, a life that from birth on, it was like, you decide. There's a girl that was in our youth group, my youth group, many years ago, got married, uh, and she's a believer, but she, I don't know what her husband's situation is, but she's been so moved by kind of the cultural voice on gender. They had a, a, a son um, who was a little fairly effeminate, and they decided to let him decide what gender he would be. Um, so same name, but they've allowed him to grow up as a little girl. And I pray for this family because I just, those walls are going to come tumbling down at some point. Um, and it sounds so loving because who am I to put that prejudice? But again, that's where they've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They've become fools. Um, and it's foolishness. And I hate thinking that someone that I care about is a fool. Um, good friend of mine was in my wedding. Um, I grew to like him and be more friends with him in high school. We've known each other since we were kids. Um, but he just—he went away to college. He wanted to get out of town because a lot of people had bullied him and hazed on him because he was fairly effeminate um, uh, in terms of just the way he kind of went about stuff. He liked gardening and um, he loved food. Loved to, like as a, he was that high school guy who could make the most incredible meal, you know. Um, but dudes in Shreveport, West, like you must be something must be wrong with you, boy, you know. And uh, you know, and believe me, I wasn't a believer then too. I liked him and we hung out a lot. But uh, I, I suspected some stuff. You know, was maybe something wrong with him, or whatever. But he went away to a college that had a big homosexual community, and he just jumped in headline and sinker. He called me once, and says, "Hey, all this time, you know, this is what I, uh, I'm. I'm, a, I'm gay. That defines me. And I'm sorry. I'm sure you probably hate me because he actually. This was after I had come to faith. And he's like, I know you're a Christian now. You probably. And I was like, Dude, I don't hate you. Whatever, dude. Um, I don't agree with that, and I don't think it's true. But I love you because you're my friend, and we keep in touch a little bit. But uh, and I say that not to like shame him, because like. 
quick, quick truth, like sexual struggle sin is not any worse than stealing candy in the grocery store. You know, it's like sin is a sin is a sin. So let's not hate on people anyway. You know, it's it's a big cultural thing, and we need to be careful about that. But like that's part of brokenness, and it's because we've put man in the middle. Um, and this idea, another thing about experimentation and experience. You guys are I've done this with my own kids. We say all the time, you don't know if you like it till you tried it, right? You know, it's usually around food. But that same principle goes on to like, well, you know, sex and sexuality or um, trying drugs and alcohol or, you know, you can't tell me that I don't like this or I shouldn't do this because you've never done it before. Or it's this me in the middle, my experience, my me doing something determines whether it's right or wrong. Uh, it felt good, you know. He really likes me and I really like him. So I know I've been thought this all my life, but I think it's going to be okay. Um, you know, fill in the blank for what the it is. Um, uh Etc. 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 When we think about our, our, our kind of lives and how there's so many areas, and I'm hoping you guys are kind of connecting that little your head, a little bit in your head about there's so many things in our lives where we put ourselves in the throne of deciding what's right and wrong, and we are kings and queens at rationalizing foolishness um, all the time, all the time. I mean, it's not hurting anybody. Like Richie was talking about, like what we all have available to us in the palm of our hand with reference to pornography or just weird stuff that we look at and laugh at, you know, sometimes. Um, confession, fail videos on YouTube are somewhat of, they're one of my little delights, but when I stop and think about it, like, it's really weird that I'm like being entertained by people like getting hurt. There's something wrong with that. Um, so funny that that dude like killed it on that skateboard. And, and they always stop the video until you find out like when the ambulance come, you know, like reconnects his head or whatever. But like, um, so I try to go with like cat fails. I'm not, I don't feel guilty about cat fails. You might like cats, but like cat and toddler fails are usually, I'm like, just stay there. But uh, you know, like those, those karma videos is like, oh, like why do I like that so much? It's because it's, I actually, I think it's a lot to do with like this earning kind of, I want people to get it, you know? Anyway, um, uh, so, but when we, but when we, but some of you guys last uh, yesterday on your card, you're like, you know, I know God loves me, but but I feel like I've done, you know, I'm paraphrasing, you know, a hundred cards in one to a certain degree. I feel like I've done so much that that uh, that I can't actually experience it. I get in my own way, and that's because what we tend to do as human doers rather than human beings, we we try to fix the situation. Um, for three years in college, a fraternity brother of mine who grew up around the church kept telling me over and over, I would just be talking to him about things. He's like, yeah, I get it. And I get, you know, I, I, I hear about this this Christianity and this love of God and, and all the blah, blah, blessing there for me, and, I, and I, I want it so much, and this is him. He would do this. He was like, and I'm here, and I'm like, you know, I'm really, but sometimes I hear it, I hear it, I get really close, I think it's going to be so great, but then, but then I just, I just, you know, I just I just mess up again. I just can't seem to get there. And what he doesn't understand is like he's he's here and God's trying to get to him and he's pushing back against the Lord. Like we don't ever get there. We don't ever run down to the Lord and you know and run all the way. Like it's always him. Like any inclination you have to move towards God is because of something he's done first in your heart. He's done something that says to you, you're loved and you're safe in my arms. So we kind of, rather than a, an effort, it's more of a relaxation. It's a rest. I'm going to rest in your arms. Um, I took a youth group too. Oh, I can't do the illustration. Never mind. Um, so it's what we, all this stuff, you know, when we do this, put ourselves, we try to fix it. It puts the focus back on us, puts us back in control, puts hope on our backs uh, rather than some way. It pushes God away that does not accept the gift freely given. It only reinforces the problem when we focus on the idea of, of my record, um, all the stuff that I feel like makes me a mess. Um, it just reinforces the problem. 
we have to remember something that, uh, and I'm going to tell you more about this book tomorrow. Um, uh, by the way, I love giving away things, so I'm going to be giving away some books tomorrow. So don't come. Uh, so make sure you don't miss it. Um, uh, this is an incredible book. It's one of my favorite people on the planet. I cannot wait to hang out with this guy in heaven. He died a couple of years ago. Brennan Manning. Um, uh, he wrote this little book towards the end of his life called The Furious Longing of God. And uh, furious here is not our anger. It's like it's it's like a it's a if you look up furious in the dictionary, it's like just tons of energy. It's just and the furious longing of God is his people. Um, he wants you so much. And that's why you read this passages of scripture. We read it read it through that perspective, and you're like, oh, this isn't some sort of fickle, you know, whack-a-mole God looking to beat up his people when they mess up. He's chasing them down with a heart of love so that they would come home and rest in him, not in the things they're doing. Um, I'm going to read this quote that sort of kind of brings us to a, a conclusion. Uh, and then we're going to listen to a song. I think that's what's next. Yep. Um, yep. Alright. Uh, oh, Credola. Just missed, lost my place. Alright. The gospel is absurd and the life of Jesus is meaningless unless we believe that he lived, died, and rose again with but one purpose in mind, to make brand new creations. Not to make people with better morals, figured it out, being good again, but to create a community of prophets and professional lovers, men and women who would surrender to the mystery of the fire of the Spirit that burns within, that would live in ever greater fidelity to the omnipresent Word of God, who would enter into the center of it all, the very heart and mystery of Christ, enter to the center of the flame that consumes, purifies, and sets everything aglow with peace, joy, boldness, and extravagant, furious love. This, my friends, is what it really means to be a Christian. Our religion never begins with what we do for God. It always starts with what God has done for us. The great and wondrous things that God dreamed of and achieved for us in Christ Jesus. It doesn't make any sense. It's crazy and reckless when you look at God's love to a busted up creation from the beginning and just let it be what it is. It just We get in the way of it because we look at it from our perspective. We're too busy thinking about our standards, our expectations, and our mess. Put your mess in a basket and God already knows it. He knows what you're going to be messing up two years from now if you're still walking the earth. And it doesn't phase His love for you because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. It's actually, it, it's reckless. And we're going to finish with another song that I think is ballin'. Just because. And again, this one, the words are sometimes a little bit cloudy, but you get the point. Just let this kind of wash over you as you think about what we've been talking about. Oh, great.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you that uh, though the rest of our life we will struggle to appreciate your love. It doesn't depend on our appreciation of it. You love not because we appreciate it. You love us because we're dear to you. You love us to make us lovely. Help us to get out of your way. Help us to stop striving. Help us to figure out what it means to, to just rest in this crazy, reckless affection that you have for busted people. As we go out today, help us to see and experience your beauty. Help us to laugh. Help us to ask big questions if we need to have conversations. But as we, as we go into the rest of the week, pray we just be continuing to think about we're up and down, we're all over the place, but your, your zeal and furious love for your people remains constant. And as we gather together on Friday, that we would have a chance just to kind of look at some snapshots, these pictures of your, of your crazy love, um, and go away from here with some, uh, some souvenirs of that love to remind us over and over and over that we would never forget, uh, though we are so prone to. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Appreciate you guys.